Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, uh, operating systems, they've kind of come a long way in our, yes. our lifetimes. You think so? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we've been around long enough to have seen the, some, some of the originals. Yes. <laughs> some well, various iterations Some very over the early years. Windows operating systems, yeah. yes. In our personal yes. lives, yes. in our business lives. Yes. You know, have lots... you come across Windows 95 in a long time? Uh, I could not <laughs> tell okay. you the last yeah, time. I was just trying to think of the last time I came across. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm yeah. sure it's one of those things maybe I have and just didn't realize it. You yeah, know, right. But, yeah, um, Some back office somewhere. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, well, and I was also thinking, we've talked before about my past experience in retail. Oh, yes. And, you know, Green the, screen. Yeah, the, the yeah. ancient type of operating yeah. systems that That's were right. running on, a, on these old giant That's clunker right. IBM. Yeah. <laughs> You know, cash registered computers <laughs> I used back then. Yes. So, yes. all right. Well, obviously, things are a little bit different. A little there. bit better. But what little about, about better. like the digital signage side of things? You were mm. a, a digital mm-hmm. signage reseller once upon a time. Mm-hmm. What kind mm-hmm. of OS did you typically work no, with? See, or? that's what that's where some of the revolution has happened. We were still using Windows back then. That's we didn't have any yeah. of this yeah. nice stuff. I mean, no, it's been today. some time ago, but it hasn't been that long well, ago. Well, yeah, it's know. only been a decade, I guess. But, you yeah. know, hey. So there you go. Things change. That's fast. Things definitely change. Well, today we're exploring a little bit of that evolution of the operating system. Uh, We've got a couple fantastic guests. We've got Google's Brandy Al with us, as well as HP's David Gossman. Nice. So we're going to explain a little bit about that progression, where we are now versus where we've been. They'll Mm. explain it much better. Yes, way better than I can. We were just like, we remember Windows. That's it. Uh, (laughs) Brandy will talk to us a little more about Chrome OS, which obviously is a big feature that uh, Google has out there. You talk to all the kids, it's all Chrome OS. Uh, Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. She'll tell us a little more about how it fits in into the digital signage and kiosk realm. Nice. Uh, she'll talk a little bit about the uh, the security aspect or reliability aspect of oh, Chrome. Oh, you OS think that's important? Well. I think so. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I think people bit. typically want things to be secure and reliable <laughs> yeah. these days, especially for a business. That's right. Uh, and then David will help us fill in some more gaps also on HP and their you know um, the, the, how they support Chrome OS and mm, Android. Nice. And also help you figure out when you should pick which one potentially is the yes. operating system. That's of a choice, good question. That's not a question. That's something I would have any clue how to answer. Not so, at all. Yeah. So we get the smart people on to do that. Bingo. Uh, they will also talk in our value to the VAR about uh, their relationship, how you guys can win some opportunities and hey. go out and sell some solutions nice. with HP and Google working together. Yeah. And of course, as always, our What's Tech Connecting with us segment. We got a lot to do in this episode. Yeah. Oh, we, we better hop in. We should. <laughs> it's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned, our two we have two fantastic guests with today. We First do. up, we'll uh, I'll call it Brandy Al. She is the Google Strategic Partner Manager for Chrome OS. Brandy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on today. Tell us a little about yourself, maybe kind of your path of what's led you to to Google and specifically to to Chrome OS, working on that side of things. Yeah, thanks for having me on, John and Dean. It's um, really been a journey for me, just uh, learning about Chrome OS in my almost six years at Google. I'm uh, just a week shy of my six-year work anniversary. And this whole time I've been um, really trying to evangelize Chrome OS with uh, our enterprise customers. Everybody kind of thinks of you know Chrome OS as your kid's Chromebook, um, but there is a lot more to that. And I will say that the same principles of why schools love Chromebooks can also be extended to you know, retailers, digital signage, and kiosks. So really excited to talk more about that with everybody today. Um, 
yeah, in my day job at Google, what I'm really focused on is just listening to partners, helping them understand, you know, um, what are the benefits of selling Chrome OS and also them giving me feedback on what they need to be more successful in growing their Chrome business. So that's my day to day and what I do at Google. Awesome. Nice. And nice. you notice Brandy's, you know, got a little little accoutrement going on there on her head. We're recording this the day before Halloween. It's actually coming out, I think, this Thursday yes, of, of Halloween yes. week. But she's in the spirit today, as she should be. If I thought about it, we should have like dressed up. We, we should have, absolutely should have like Tweedledee yeah. and Tweedledum or yes, something like that. Yes, yeah, yes, we could have done something yeah. here. We just didn't we didn't plan far enough at a time. Clearly. So. Yeah. Uh, our next guest is David Gossman. He is the HP Global Retail Strategist, which means he knows a thing or two a little bit. about the world of retail. David, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself your background and your day-to-day life at HP. Well, thanks. Yeah. So first off, I want to say I feel sorely underdressed. Thanks to Brandy. That's so, right. Uh, we all do. I'm big in Halloween. Didn't come ready for it. What can I say? You're number one right there. But um, I guess you could say my journey actually started with DOS. And because it's becoming hard to find developers for that operating system, finally had the need to innovate. But no, really. So I actually, um, I started with computers as a kid and I started writing little silly programs in basic on DOS, right? So that's going way back. And actually I uh, did have the one of the first commercially ready products for point of sale on Windows 3.1 using Visual Basic way back in the day. So uh, definitely a long history with operating systems and you know, there's so many great things that were back then, but the world has advanced so much. Uh, for me, my journey from point of sale has continued within retail technology and point of sale. And I am part of HP's retail and industry solutions business. So for those that might not know that HP makes more than great printers and laptops and desktops and all that, uh, we do make hardware just for retail stores, actually number one market share for retail stores and restaurants globally. Uh, Blue Star is a great partner of ours, as is Google as well. So my role is kind of leading that forward thinking industry strategy and that partnership with Google and working together with Brandy and, and other colleagues within that group um, has really kind of helped us innovate and bring these kind of additional platforms into the world as well. So it's, uh, it's funny, we love talking about technology and innovative technology, but the reality is we don't have that core operating system secured and managed. All the stuff you want to throw on top of it might not work, right? So it's really a very important piece of the puzzle. There you go. Love yeah. it. And uh, and I, I don't think I didn't notice the uh, little little mention there of how you were just, you know, coding in your free time as a child. You yeah. Know? Like it's a little just, coding on the know, side. Just like all kids do, you yeah. know, just, yeah. you know, they, you know <laughs> eat, eat their marshmallow laden cereal, do a little coding, you yeah. know, why not? It was before it was cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, man. That's true. We Good have all stuff. these STEM initiatives these days. It's, it is right. cool to code yeah. now. But yeah, yeah, once upon a time, that uh, wasn't so much, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Well, again, we appreciate having you both on the show. I think we're going to have a, a great conversation here. So let's dig into this. We wanted to talk about this idea of like the mm. the, uh, the OS architecture and mm-hmm. where, we're, where we've been, kind of where we're going. Mm. And David, you've kind of hinted that a little bit. Obviously, of your past, you've had a lot of experience in this realm. So talk to us a little bit about that progression of OS, especially as it pertains maybe to retailers, hospitality, the business world, let's say over the last decade or so, and why you think that like current market forces, trends, modern hardware like HP is, you know, putting out there, why it's driving new needs for stores and restaurants to adopt new and different OSs. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's an interesting topic because if you go, you know, back in the day, you know, there was obviously, like I said, it had a Windows application for point of sale. Um, so much software was written, you know, for DOS and then Windows over many years, and even some for Linux. 
And that was kind of just the way things were for a very long time. And there's certainly many good reasons for that. But the needs of retail technology have not, you know, kind of stayed, they kind of stayed stagnant for quite a while, right? There was a lot of changes in how stores and restaurants operated, but they didn't necessarily innovate and move their technology along fast enough. Um, so as you started to see a lot of progression into retailers moving into the online world, that can mean moving their own business into online or also competing with the likes of Amazon and, and so many other companies out there that got into online e-commerce and all that, you know, retail stores and restaurants really have, you know, come to a realization that they need to really change how the physical space in their stores is used, right? So they have to make them more attractive. They have to make it more welcoming and fun so that you're not just going to the website to find the lowest price. You're actually going in and enjoying an experience inside of a store. Um, same applies for restaurants as more and more food gets delivered through these third party platforms. So as they try to really evolve what happens inside of the store and how to make it more fun, interesting, perhaps more efficient and operate better for the better customer experience, technology has really what's been called to the plate to really help out with a lot of that, right? Because there's only so much you can do with actually changing what the people do in the store. That certainly has a huge factor, but enabling to do a lot more uh, to compete in those you know, factors is huge. So a lot of new customer facing experiences being installed. Uh, when you go into a lot of stores and restaurants now, you see a ton of digital signage. It's really not just, you know, static, like, hey, here's a picture on a wall. Um, a lot of it's becoming interactive where you as a customer can, you know, wave in front of the camera, hold, um, possibly hold products up. Uh, you can touch screens and kind of, you know, you know, navigate through inventory and see a lot of deeper information about it. There's so much technology being used in all those different ways. And because of that, that has really driven a huge change in what types of devices are installed in the store, right? Because it used to be just point of sale was a system on top of the counter. Now with screens of different sizes everywhere, all these different peripherals interact with it. So you have so many more technology touch points all around the operation. And that also calls into, into play something else. And this is where you had a big evolution of operating systems as well. A lot of the technology that happened in stores was either a server that was in a back room where you had systems that were controlled by store staff in the front of house. Now you have devices being used by customers and they're being used by guests, by employees, by pretty much everybody that might walk into there. Some of them are directly using it and some of that technology is just watching what's going on and adapting to the situation using AI and computer vision and all these technologies. So you have technology doing a lot more and that means that one, the technology has to be really attractive and approachable. You don't want those old dim screens that are kind of ugly looking and, and don't respond to touch very well. You want screens that are a lot brighter and more welcoming and act more like your cell phone that you're used to. Um, in addition to that, this stuff has to just work. I think, you know, gone are the days where customers will accept a blue screen, you know, being kind of present on a screen and showing a crashed user experience. You had more tolerance to that in the past. That tolerance doesn't exist anymore. Customers expect technology enabling experiences that works well, and you get that one shot with that customer, if it doesn't work well, they might be gone. So a lot has changed. The operating systems that run on those, you need the ability to manage things more easily, has to be hyper secure in this day of everything being connected. Um, there's so much that has changed that whole factor right there. We keep a very strong pulse on it. And um, that very much led to working more closely with Google and both their operating systems to make sure that we are ahead of the curve and bringing that to market.
Yeah, definitely. Dave, let's let's stay on the edge real quick. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, that's obviously the transformation that everybody's talking about right now. When you start talking about AI or machine, uh, you know, vision and, and its usage and in the many manifestations that that's starting to, to come out. And, you know, being having some continuity uh, across your devices and, and you did a good job, right? There's there's now many different types of devices. It's, it's not just the media player on the digital signage, but now the kiosk is being asked to do analytics and things of that nature. Uh, we're, we're pulling more and more of the compute back out of the cloud and putting it on the edge. And when we do that, you know, obviously there needs to be a continuity. So uh, dive a little deeper there on the edge and what you're seeing on the edge and, and the importance of having some maybe OS continuity. Is that is that what you're seeing? You know, is that why people are starting to migrate, you know, to an operating system like a, like a Chrome or something like that where there's, there's that continuity is coming into play? Yeah, it's definitely a part of it. I think one of the primary reasons that we do see is just the ability for people to manage their devices a lot easier. Um, you know, heavier operating systems take a lot more effort to manage um, going anywhere from the licensing to the security um, to what applications are running on there, what peripherals are connected. And there's a huge need to lock down the machines to really do just what they needed to do and not more. Um, so, you know, for us, we, you know, we kind of taken away an OS agnostic approach and that we first sit down with our customers and we talk about what are you trying to accomplish inside of your. And sometimes that might drive a need for a lot of on-site, you know, resident computing that happens there, maybe a bit more of an edge model. A lot of times it's not necessarily calculating a lot of stuff. It's more about having the right content displayed on the device. And maybe it's not a heavy amount of data going back and forth. And that can really play much more friendly in cloud-based environment. And you can also have the option to mix and match. But, you know, for us, it's not like a one size fits all in every scenario. It's choosing the right technology for what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I think edge computing has a huge benefit, um, but edge computing is often kind of calculating a lot of that data in the background. You still have all those devices that people are touching um, that really are just getting small amounts and packets of data that are fed to them. And that's where a cloud-based architecture could be a lot better for them. So. Again, it really depends on what you're doing and choosing the right thing, and we help people through those discussions. But it's it's important to really understand that whole environment and have the right options available. Bingo. I think solutions integrators today need to understand the mix, oh, yeah. you know, right? It can be a mix. It is going to be a mix of those things. But it's really the world's becoming much more complicated, whereas maybe 15, 20 years ago, Dave, I mean, it was all on-prem, right? And, and the compute was happening there, you know, on the point-of-sale system mm -hmm. or the server that was in the back mm -hmm. of the room. Uh, but now, it's, you know, the demands of AI, ML, and, all like again, all these litany of things that we're bringing to the table to make retail and hospitality modernization happen – well, it takes a little bit of a, a blended uh, approach to it. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, so. well, I think also having having that connectivity real time helps you adapt your business faster. We have, for example, was meeting with a customer recently. They change their prices several times per day. So whenever they're kind of sitting the web for competition, they're able to adjust the prices in store, and their customers have this confidence that we're always getting the best price when we work with you. So they, for them, you know, that cloud connectivity and the rapid response kind of an in-store only model might be part of the solution for them, but they need to have that live connectivity all throughout the day, that, the day to deliver that low price promise to their customers. You know, Pricing I, at by the hour. Yeah, Go ahead. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I mean, awesome when you can do that, but also kind of nutty that you can do that too. Yeah. But right. David, I also appreciated you mentioned the idea of like the dynamic screens too. And just the, you yep. know, the, the idea of, of, of a screen that 
you know, attracts our attention. I mean, mm-hmm. again, I've talked about this before. Like we're we're all ingrained to look at screens. Mm-hmm. You know, we're slaves to the screens that we carry in our pockets all the time, anyway. Mm-hmm. And we're ingrained to you know to to look for them. And when we see one, we stop, we pay attention. It's it's more noticeable than obviously than a classic sign would have been. Mm-hmm. So, but again, yeah, those screens have to look good. They have to they have to look nice. There has to be you know they got to be moving quickly and have, and have a, a great presentation, a great feel to them. And and again, I think that's that's a big part of this. I think too, where people don't think about the idea that you know the old school, the old school screens that may be out there. That sure, maybe you can have something on an old system that is just you know very basic, very basic data, very basic information. But some of the you know what these newer operating systems allow for is such dynamic and beautiful colors that's and it. images. And, yeah. You know, when paired up with you know great hardware like HP's, obviously that you know you put it all put it all together, and it's just a, a a more mesmerizing experience that draws attention and gets people when they walk into a store, restaurant, whatever it is, to stop and pay attention, which is ultimately the goal. The, you know, these things stop, pay attention, interact, mm-hmm. and then hopefully buy something at the end mm-hmm, of the day too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Brandy, I want you to kind of you know dive in a little bit further, maybe kind of you know give your insight here to that initial question too about you know the 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 trends and the market forces that have led us to looking at, you know, new and, and not the, the standard old OS and standard mm-hmm, operating systems, mm-hmm. maybe from a Google point of view of like what you guys saw out there in the market that led you that way. And then let's, you yeah. know, and let's mm-hmm. use that to kind of dive into our next question too, which obviously is that Chrome is very well known. Uh, a lot of us use it as a browser. It's, it's my favorite browser. If I've been using it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Chromebooks at the top of the you know the show and and, and the OS there. Lovingly called Chromies by the yes. way by all the kids. My but, son yeah. just started kindergarten. <laughs> he's already he loves Technology Day because he gets to play on his Chromie. I mean, as a marketer, I love the fact that they've already branded like yeah. a whole category of, yeah. of compute. Yes, exactly. Anyway, so Chromies. it's so it's well known. It's you know it's you have a well known brand and name in the field. So maybe you know as part of that explanation of why the market forces have led you you know where you are to. Take Take that Chrome OS experience and move it into the business side. And then tell us about maybe where the, the big benefits and the selling points of Chrome OS for digital science and kiosk kick in. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think it might help to go to the beginning, right? Like the genesis of uh, Chrome. And if you rewind back 15 years, uh, Chrome browser started in 2008. Um, and it you know, due to the the speediness of it and the responsiveness and just the intelligence of um, that user experience quickly became a popular choice where now, you know, overwhelmingly so Chrome browser is still the more preferred um, out of all the options there. And so, you know, Google had the browser in 2008. Um, then Smart people, people who are smarter than me at Google started thinking, well, you know, what more can we do with the browser? And, you know, web is the future. Um, How can we augment that experience and, you know, go beyond the browser? And so that's really how Chrome OS was born in 2011. That was when um, the the first Chromebook came out. And I think at that time it was um, uh, just this lightweight Chrome device uh, manufactured by Samsung. And it really was, you know, the browser contained in a piece of hardware. Um, you know, I think the whole value there was having this lightweight device that if you were doing web tasks, you didn't need all of the um, artillery that came with um, a Windows machine. And so it was it was a, a web browsing device at that point. But then quick, pretty quickly, uh, we came out with this... Um, this mode of deployment called kiosk um, and manage guest session. 
So the whole thing about that that was pretty special is it didn't require a user login. And the session would wipe itself automatically after um, each time after a person used that device and start clean again. So, you know, that that sort of mode of um, user experience was really like a no frills way to deploy apps and content to a device in a very lightweight way. Um, so we didn't necessarily know it at the time, but that mode of deployment became really popular in these retail um, kiosk digital sign use cases where IT admins could just um, deploy a single app, really lock that device down and have the device wipe itself clean of the data um, and be ready for the next you know, user. Um, that happened. And then in, in parallel, you know, Chromebooks were exploding in the classroom. Um, you know, even to date, Chromebooks are the number one most popular choice for school districts in the U.S. If, John, you mentioned, you know, your kindergartner, if anybody is a parent nowadays and, and the school's got, you know, devices deployed, it's likely going to be a Chrome device. Um, and I will say the really cool part of how this is all interconnected is, the reason that Chromebooks and education are, are so popular is the same reason they're so popular in kiosk and digital signage. Um, different use cases, but really the same value proposition, right? You've got devices that are super easy to manage and control. So if you're one um, IT admin at a school district, you can deploy literally, if you needed to, thousands of Chromebooks um, in the school district. If you are a pro AV admin deploying digital signs, you could literally deploy thousands of signs across each of your retail stores. Um, and I think that's really special because in the retail digital sign and kiosk world, I really see a lot of um, you know manufacturers thinking of management as an afterthought, whereas um, you know Chrome really leads with it instead. And so. We, we care a lot about the user experience and, and um, you know, the, the content on the screen, but we care equally as much about how easy is it to manage on the back end. Um, and then I will also say uh, minimizing downtime is a huge focus area for us. Um, so the things that we do to really help uh, retailers make sure that the content they're invested in, the user experience that they're invested in, um, uh, can be realized. You know, that ROI is so important when um, retailers are purchasing that technology that we want to make sure that technology stays up and available as, as much as it can. And so, you know, one example I always like to tell customers is of, of helping minimize that downtime is there's always two copies of our operating system on any given device. And so why do we have two copies? Because when version one is updating in the background and getting those latest updates from Google, version two stays available to that end user. And um, in that case, you, you never have to take a device down just to patch it or just to update it. And frankly, I think that that's the way that it should be. I love it. Awesome. You know, according to Google's own survey, 60% of organizations are already considering migrating to Chrome OS. Uh, in the next two years. And the survey found that the top reason for migrating, security, number one. Yeah. Number two, ease of management. And Brandy was just talking about that, right? Managing these ISIS, these devices on the edge, it's it's critical. And 
well played through through a Chrome OS uh, type of operating system and the minimizing the downtime. Well, if Dave hadn't mentioned, you know, the blue screen of death and walking by that and, and digital signage, it's good that you don't see that anymore, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, failure yep. needs updating. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you just don't see it anymore. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and, and now there I'm kind of... Um, sorry to jump in, but there was one thing that Bernie mentioned I want to double down on as well because it was a very important point about, you know, having, you know, too much ammunition, right, for the computer you're bringing to the table. Um, sorry if I kind of misphrase that a little bit, Brady. Um, but overall, the reality is a lot of devices that are used inside of stores and restaurants, they're purchased and used for their life for generally like one thing or maybe two things. They're not often purposed like a home PC where you could be doing games and word processing and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when you buy a machine that's showing digital menus or you're buying a machine that is lighting up a kiosk, it's really used for that for its entire life and that's it. So because of that, you don't need to have this overly complex management system that can take care of a thousand scenarios when you already know your three scenarios that you're dealing with. And that's why sometimes we, when we sit down with customers and we talk about what are you using it for, and then we help guide you towards what the best selection of OS is, that's exactly why. We want to guide them towards the best management experience and security experience based on what they need to do. And usually they're just they're just over purchasing and overspending in environments where they don't need to. So by us bringing these new options to the table, we do help save money. We help serve more value. We help the devices last longer and just do a better job at the little list of things that they often need to do. And if you're an IT manager, I think you've gotten into a, a, a different notion, right, about no frills. I'm going to use that phrase again, right. Brandy. You know, it's a no frills operating kind of thing. It's lightweight. And, right. and, and right. you know, in the past where IT guys and gals would be like, oh, no, this thing can do everything. It can launch, you know, rockets to the moon and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but really, we don't need it to do all that. Right. <laughs> we right. just need this lightweight device, you know, or uh, entity on the on the edge that we can do things on. Sometimes simpler is better. I mean, that's just that's, yeah, right. that's well, Especially in these it. applications, these use cases that, we're, that, that we just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right. yeah. I, I think David, I think you made a fantastic point there. The idea that, you know, it's it it's sometimes there's just one use that you need it for. And you might know what that is. It could be just displaying today's specials, it could mm -hmm. be showing a menu, it mm -hmm. could be a simple kiosk for a checkout or for you know or for wayfinding, something like that. Why overcomplicate it if you Simple don't have serving, to? those types of things. Yeah. There you go. You know, and enabling the associates out on the floor. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. exactly. And Brady, I really appreciate it. I, I think that's a fantastic, cool idea there, too, of the idea of having kind of a, you know, a double system where, you know, it's a, a fail safe where, hey, the background's getting updated, the foreground's still operating, and then you can swap out the two wherever you yeah, need to. Did at not some know point. that. Yeah. No interruption of service. That's, I, that's so, pretty cool. As you mentioned it, I don't know why everybody isn't doing that because that's a fantastic <laughs> idea. That's the way it should be. Um, well, I, and I, you know, I want to elaborate a little, too. You guys, um, we had a webinar we did with you, you know, maybe about a month or so back about, you know, this partnership and about, you know, the, the Chrome OS solution and HP's, you know, engaged retail solutions. And I'll drop a link in our show notes to that because I highly recommend checking it out to get a little more in-depth, you know, on the, the specs and the details in the background. Mm -hmm. But a couple of statistics that you guys put into that presentation that I really appreciated and relating to this, 48%, the Chrome OS creates a 48% lower operational costs. 34% lower cost of digital signage. And then switching over, to, and this kind of leads to our next question here, uh, you, you mentioned the security and the mm -hmm. ease of use yep. and all that yep. stuff. Uh, zero reported ransomware attacks using Chrome OS. What? 24% fewer security breaches, 26% fewer outages. So all that screams to me, that security that everyone's talking That's about right. yeah. is inherent. Absolutely. Reliability is inherent in Chrome OS. So tell us a little more about that, Brandy. Like, you know, what, what does that mean to, 
to you and what does it mean to the, you know, to the folks that are out there in the business every day that, you know, that want some reliability and security? What are they getting when they're using Chrome OS versus what they might get somewhere else? Yeah, John, you called out my favorite statistic, which is zero reported ransomware attacks on Chrome OS. That really is remarkable. Um, since you know, since 2011, I mean, we I think we still have an active bounty program out there for folks who can um, find vulnerabilities in Chrome OS and report them to us. But that bounty program, um, we haven't had to spend much on it because um, there's been just so few reported um, vulnerabilities out in the wild. You know, I think. It's really interesting because when you look at an operating system today, you assume it's insecure out of the box. And then you've got to add these layers upon layers of security, whether it is, um, you know, endpoint threat detection or a VPN. And so it's almost like you have this flawed product you're putting out there. And then all the IT admins are like, okay, how do we safeguard it so that we you know, try to try to minimize the attack surface. Whereas, you know, Chrome OS kind of flips that on its head and it's secure out of the box. It tries to be proactive about security. Um, we really pioneered what's called the zero trust model, which is we assume everything is insecure and you as a user have to prove to us that you're in a secure environment to access the data you need to access. And so... You know, we'll look at things on the on the device of, you know, are you on a trusted uh, Internet network? Um, you know, once you enter your password, sometimes we'll ask for two factor authentication and have you plug in a security physical security key that's registered to your device. So it's 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 proactive security that starts to layer on authentication to get to say, OK, we trust that you're um, a normal user and not, you know, some sort of. Um, malignant actor that's trying to overtake the device. So I think that's that's really different. That's really unique. Um, same principle obviously applies to a device you're deploying for digital signs. Um, some of the cool, cool other things, you know, it really ties back to kind of that no frills experience. We don't allow executables to run on Chrome OS. Executables are um, uh, traditionally a pretty big uh, attack vector. Um, so that's one of the ways that we you know, really try to um, make sure that that device is, is proactively secure. Um, I could go on and on about sort of the different features that exist, but it's, it's multi-layered. You know, we're talking about, you know, what a modern OS means. It's really thinking about um, how security can be fulfilled at every layer of the operating system from the hardware itself, from the firmware level, um, the, o the OS level, and then even the browser level, you know, uh, with Chrome browser, we have active um, sort of threat warnings that will try to warn you, maybe you've come across this as well, that will tell you, hey, we think that this site is insecure, we think you might, you know, become a victim of a phishing attack if you click here. Um, so there is also that user component of helping, um, you know, users uh, be as secure as they can in their in their kind of browsing experience. Um, and then, you know, the we work so closely with our OEM partners, you know, like HP, to make sure that, um, you know, the the there's 
something called the Titan C security chip that gets embedded in every device. And, and that also adds a layer of security. So all the things I talked about, they're all there on every single device um, that, uh, that runs Chrome OS. And we have never compromised on security and we, we never will. And Brandy, I used to um, I used to be a bar, right? Actually, myself, um, back in the days, had a company that sold technology right to stores and restaurants and serviced them. And what you're bringing up here, if we unpack that a little more, is a huge story for a bar because a lot of bars, you know, they have their operation. They have a couple of people that usually run the show, right? Depending how big or small the bar is, and then they have employees that are there for sales, but also for support and management of the devices. And the more they usually have some sort of formula, but the more devices that they sell and they're managing and helping customer support out there in the field, the more people they need over time to do that. But when you have something like Chrome, and like you mentioned here with the no reported ransomware, but also just the manageability, less security, fewer outages, that changes the labor formula for bars, right? They can have more devices out there with fewer people that they need to support those customers. And if something does happen and the machine goes down, they need to restore it, it is that much easier and faster. So kind of going back to the original question of the podcast too, you know, why, why is operating system such a big decision for bars? It means that they can be more competitive or more profitable depending on how they want to take this, but they can deliver solutions to customers that run more reliably. They can still charge their service contracts as a bar should always do, but they can actually execute and deliver those service, services a lot more efficiently. So yeah, back together to my history there. So it's like the perspective. So cool, David, right? Like the VAR perspective is it doesn't matter what technology you're presenting to the end customer. They want their content on the screen. They want that, you know, self-service experience. I've had VARs tell me that uh, it's, with Chrome OS, they're saving just think about, you know, labor per hour, number of support tickets filed. Um, so the VARs are really realizing that cost savings on a sort of resourcing and talent level. Um, and they still get to deploy that same awesome content for their customers. And I would say, you know, from the customer's perspective, like you never want things like security and, you know, do I have the right IT talent to deploy a digital initiative? Like if you're a retailer that wants to give your customers a certain in-store experience or, you know, help make your store associates more productive, the last thing that should be a barrier to that is having to think about how to manage those devices. So, you know, we really want to empower those retailers to say with Chrome OS, we can provide that experience with the existing resources that we have. It can be an uphill battle sometimes when yeah. you think about all these embedded IT, uh, you know, entities there are, are staffs that job security is the security of the network, right? Yeah. I mean, like they build their whole lives and jobs around the yeah. job security. You mess that, that up, that, you, you're in a lot of trouble. Brandy, yeah. Well, that she said, you know, kind of layering on all these layers of security. That's mm -hmm. just brilliant, right? When you think about it. Well, here's a product, but wait a minute, we need to now secure it with all this other stuff. Right. Oh my God, talk about job security. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, you got an ID department. <laughs> like, well, if it if it goes down, you know, we're the people. So, but to, but to David's point, I mean. You know, it makes it can make the reseller be that much more efficient and go after that much more business with the same resources, human resources that you might have in in, in place. Uh, interesting mind uh, shift of your, of, you know, yeah. mentally where yeah. you're at uh, as it relates to that. Yeah, and I appreciate Brandy's point also that you know, 
we have this expectation that OSs are kind of fractured and, right. you know, inherently flawed out of the yeah. gate, out of the it's box. It's like a ticking time bomb yeah. sitting in your I mean, computer, right? How, like, how well, often it's have just you, a matter of time before this thing, you Yeah, know, exactly. Right. How often like you on like a phone or on your computer, like, oh, hey, there's a new OS available. You download it. And then just a week or two later, you're getting like, hey, you need to download this emergency, this point one emergency <laughs> patch that fixes all these security flaws. Now, typically, right. I think that's usually someone whose job it is to go find security flaws, uh-huh. found something and let them know. And so they right. put out a patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Occasionally, it's because someone actually found something to exploit. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think we we do think inherently that like, all right, new OS. I'm sure, you know, I, I know people that will say I'm not going to download that new OS for yeah, my right. phone, computer yeah. or whatever. For a month, because I'm going to wait until all see the what the rest of the world says out. about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine and imagine being able to say, "Hey, you don't have to worry about that. Mm. There's not going to. I mean, there might be patches, but not because out of the gate there's going to be security issues mm. that are going to have to be fixed down the road that we didn't bother thinking about ahead of time. So, sure. right. I think that's a nice, powerful message that Avar could take out there. In addition to what we were talking about, the idea mm. of hey. Mm you also have a heck of a lot less work you're going to have to do on the back end to make sure that this stuff stays secure because they're doing that work up front. There you go. That's fair. Well, David, uh, you know, I want you to wrap up our main conversation here by talking a little bit about HP's support for, obviously you're supporting Chrome OS and incorporating that with a lot of your, your uh, hardware solutions at this point, but you support Android as well, which is still a very dominant, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. force in OS. But I imagine VARs might be a little confused about, hey, when should I be offering one versus the other? I mean, I, I know they were like that around about Windows and Android, you know, and now that Android's kind of taken dominance a little bit away from Windows, now we're looking at Chrome OS as well. So maybe help understand, you know, what are some of the key differences between the two systems, at least from a VAR perspective of figuring out, you know, what to offer and what to deploy in a certain situation? Yeah, and that's, um, it's definitely not always a one-size-fits-all uh, answer to the question, right? Because sometimes there could be some overlap where, hey, both operating systems can probably meet the mark for certain use cases, but there are definitely you know areas where it's stronger. When I mentioned before that we sit down with our customers and we don't talk just about OS, by the way, sometimes they have already pre-selected in their minds what that OS should be, and we can have that conversation. But a lot of times it's consultative. We have a lot of customers that come to us and say, we're looking to really change our technology footprint on our next big rollout. And and which direction should we go? What is HP seeing with all of your other customers? And those are questions we love because we talk to a lot of customers right there. Um, And actually, since we last recorded, uh, when we recorded that webinar recently, since then, we just supported with Google another large multi-thousand kiosk device rollout powered by Chrome OS. Right, so we're definitely seeing the demand. We're seeing customers that are saying, this makes more sense for what we're talking about. Let's go that direction. Um, But we do have a multi-OS strategy. Um, We work very closely with Google uh, for both operating systems. And we talk to a lot of people about their directions that they're going. And like I mentioned before, because most devices are being installed that serve one or two purposes, you really want to look very closely at what that purpose is and why you would use it. So... Uh, When you look at Android, for example, I'd say Android is especially optimized a little better for smaller devices, right? It's not saying that Chrome can't run on smaller or that Android can't run on larger because that's not totally true. But the optimization that's in place because Android was really created for that mobile environment and Chrome was really created more for that larger device environment like Brandy was referencing earlier uh, with schools and Chromebooks as, as a huge example right there. Um, Android also has, I'd say, a bit of a more of a history right there as far as people developing apps for it, right? So Android has a really in-depth, robust app store with tons of software developers on the market right there that are familiar with the OS 
they're familiar with the ecosystem. So sometimes for some companies, they haven't chosen their software yet and Android opens up this huge number of apps that they can choose from. And that might be attractive to them, right? So that's a really good use for Android right there. Um, and Android also has a pretty easy time being managed alongside other operating systems, right? So if you're in a transition where you're running Windows and Android and Chrome, there are you know, MDMs, multi-device managers out there. I think I got the um, abbreviation not 100% correct there, but for the end of the conversation, it's, um, it's really powerful for them because if you're running some Windows devices, some Android devices, you can sometimes manage them easier under the same management tool. And also where it is in its life, and this is certainly evolving for Chrome, but Android does have a bit more support for peripherals as far as drivers um, and support for them. I'm not talking about peripherals for teleconferencing. I mean, the ones that we see for a retail store, like we see printers and all that. So there are certain areas where I'd say Android, hey, you know, maybe a little bit of a choice, but then you look at Chrome and Chrome is really a cloud for its operating system. And if you look at anybody that's writing new software nowadays, they're looking at this multi OS architecture. They're looking at making software that really inherently has a cloud first approach because that's where the future really is not just predicted to be, but already is here for many businesses. So that's a huge factor right there that it's made for that. It's made for lightweight simplicity, um, has an exceptional security story. So when we talk about security um, for customers that have suffered a breach, and we mentioned this whole security story for Chrome, the conversation changes to how do I get software for it? It's not about which operating system to use. Um, and like Brandy mentioned too, so management console and security are inherently part of the operating system. You don't need to add on top of that. Um, the admin console for, for Chrome OS, it's got over 500 settings that you can control centrally. And those are for big fleets of devices. And in a big fleet of devices, they're not all the same, right? Some of them in a different region need to do one thing versus a different thing uh, in a different region. The admin console makes it easy to not just manage a large number of devices, but manage them in groups, right? So you don't have to have them all do the same thing. And that's that's a really, really important part. Uh, the stability for Chrome really seems to be unmatched out of the thousands of devices we've had out there. Literally not a single you know instance of somebody having the machines go down. I mean, it's, it's just really running phenomenally well right now. And it's an awesome usage for signage and kiosks. Don't overburden yourself with more OS or more resources than you need. Choose what you need for that use case. Unless you think that hardware is going to change purpose four years from now, which usually very often it's not, it's a really good choice right there. So while I think it's fantastic that we offer both, there are definitely distinct benefits um, to each one that you know we do help guide customers towards making the right selection. And I did mention peripherals, but we're actually about to um, make some great progress on the peripheral front. I probably can't say too much right there, but um, we're we're going to be having kind of our our first strike at a really retail focused peripheral rolling into this formula um, that does take part of that gap and shrink it right there. Nice. You heard it here first on the Tech Connect podcast. There you go. A couple <laughs> others. Uh, a couple other statistics. <laughs> right. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple other statistics to, to kind of back up what Dave was, David was talking about there. 2023 IDC report that Chrome is the fastest growing operating system in the world 
uh, with expected growth in the 20% range. However, as impressive as that is, Android is still the dominant of the two, right. apparently. Uh, according to uh, Stack Counter, Android had a global market share of 69.7, let's call it 70%, in September of 2023. And I think that gets to the use on mobile devices, right? right and right. that's all phone usage and stuff like that running in, on an Android, while uh, uh, Chrome OS is is more in the 2% range. So a lot of growth there. But but. I think Dave, David did a great job of kind of painting the opportunity, right? Of, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, Android's typically used in mobile environments, tablets, uh, or, or smaller device, you know, phone and things of that nature. But clearly, uh, you know, I, and that's what I think the takeaway for me is that VARs and solution integrators have to know the difference between these operating systems yep. and the use cases that people are utilizing it in uh, so that you can come to the market with the best solution. I mean, what do you want your digital signage to do? Not go down. So what's <laughs> right. what's the best operating system that's going to enable that? Right? These are Big just goals. there. You go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you want to be the hero, and yeah. and so you know that that's really good stuff there. And it's nice to be the hero with some options, you right? Know, where yeah. you can, where you can decide like, hey, let's talk a little bit. Let's have mm. a discussion about what you're trying to do, what you want to accomplish. Well, but they're already thinking about it. Yeah. You know, I got another statistic here. I think it was like what is it? Something like seventy percent of organizations uh, are considering considering uh, you know migrating at least some of their devices over to an Android or a Chrome OS. Wow. So, I mean, it's 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 like they're already thinking about right, it to right, a certain degree. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So make yourself knowledgeable, you, you understand better the have differences it. and the choices. You better have the hopefully solution. You were, hopefully you were listening to what David just had to say. Bingo. That's if right. not, rewind this a little bit yeah, and yeah, listen yeah, yeah, to yeah. that part again. Right, so. right, right. All right. Uh, Brandy, do you have anything else to add there as far as the uh, the Chrome versus Android? Well, yeah, I mean, I'll just say, of course, uh, Android and, and Chrome OS are you know, part of Google, and I love our Android friends. Um, never would speak ill of them. You know, no, Android. of course not, even though they're on the <laughs> other side of the building. No, no, no Chrome's Chrome your baby. I understand. We understand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm on an Android phone myself, um, and I love the experience. I think, you know, to David's point, it's never going to be clear cut. And I think um, VARs and customers alike really have to start with what are my priorities? Like if I'm deploying this technology, what is it that I care about? Um, as a as a consumer myself, I will say, you know, we all, you know, omni-channel has probably been a term that's been used to death in the retail world, but it's still very relevant. You know, I might place an order on my Android phone for, you know, my favorite clothing retailer, walk into the store and maybe they've got a, you know, self-service um, kiosk there where I can um, pick up my order or, or let the store associate know that I'm here and, and have that sort of check-in experience. And so that kind of experience in-store might be better facilitated with, you know, Chrome OS, large tablet form factor, um, especially with the HP Engage kiosk. Um, that would be a more conducive experience on a larger screen. And so it's, it's and then while I'm in the store, you know, there might be digital signs kind of out and about letting me know about the latest promotions um, and specials. And I think it's really if a retailer sits down and kind of maps out where they can interact with that customer, all the screens that are in store and also outside of the store in that, you know, in that consumer's pocket, um, they would see space for, for both operating systems and beyond. So it's really, you know, the sophisticated retailers are really thinking about the right, the right tool for the job. Yeah. Um, so Brandy's come, come uh costume is a little more fun than mine i'll say at the moment but um 
by Costa McKenzie is I'm also an elected school board member. And, you know, so this isn't really related to retail, but I was part of my district when we went through that transition from very heavy operating systems on devices that were in the hands of thousands of kids, right? Which love to try to break things and challenge things. And we moved them over to Chrome. And, you know, the ability to see how much less work is involved in managing thousands of devices in thousands of kids' hands um, is dramatic. So that was an example where we had to find the right operating system to meet what we needed to do. Before that, we were just running a lot more weight. We're dragging a lot more along than we needed to for what we were looking to accomplish. So it's, it's been pretty transformational. And I think that's why so many schools have shifted over because a lot of those tools for kids are now are web-based and they can change very quickly. And, you know, it's uh, just very, uh, I, I agree with what Brandy said. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, hey, we're going to wrap this up with some value to the VAR here in a moment uh, where they're going to tell you a little bit more about the HP and Google partnership and yes. how it can help you win some business. Before we do that, as always, I want to thank our sponsors of the Blue Star Tech Connect program, yep. our podcast in particular. If you like the show, we need you to let us know. If you like and subscribe wherever you're listening on an audio podcast uh, platform. Mm -hmm. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Drop us a comment. Give us a review. And uh, let us know what you want to hear about on the show. We That's always right. need your input on ideas and topics of yep. what to discuss. You can always find a link in the show notes to send that to us. You can also email us at any time, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here. Let's start first with our value to the VAR. Yes. And, and like I said, I, I, I kind of want you guys to talk a little bit maybe more about, if you haven't picked up on it already, there's a great relationship going on between HP and Google mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about that partnership and how you guys help VARs go out and find opportunities and more importantly, sell new solutions around HP products and Google's Chrome or Android solutions as well. Yeah, I mean, um, I... I will share just some of the um, programs that we've put out there to help our VARs effectively evaluate an HP Google solution. You know, we understand that uh, what's out there is broken, but it's still what they know best. And so sometimes trying a new technology might seem a little bit intimidating, but what we're all about is removing that barrier to try it, right? So some of the things that I'll put out there is, uh, you know, we're offering demo kits to our VARs all the time. You guys want to get hands-on with that with that um, technology, and so we want to make that available to you. So um, we're always, you know, making hardware available to VARs to try out, Um I've got a really smart team of people on both sides, you know, our sales engineers, that if you have an opportunity, don't feel like you're going at it alone because there's some really technically minded folks that can help you architect a solution, uh, demo it to the customer. Um, and that exists on both HP and Google sides. And then, you know, we've got we've got funding, we've got money, you know, we're we're um, putting dollars out there for interested bars that want to run Chrome OS projects. Um, and so you can get dollars put towards any kind of services um, you offer to your customer to try to close a deal, whether that be, you know, proof of concept or a pilot, um, even money towards deployment services. So we're all about trying to remove that, that barrier to adopting new technology. Most VARs love that, Brandy. You know, there's yeah. some kind of, you know, like a proof of concept that they <laughs> want to try to work with. In all seriousness, I mean, you know, you look at the hardware manufacturers as being a part of that ecosystem yeah. and the ability to to enable those yeah. types of things. David, 
Well, I think Brandy had them at we have dollars, right? So it has impact right there. Um, it really does. But it's just been a fantastic partnership overall. And, you know, from the HP perspective, I mean, we really, we work with a lot of bars. Most of what we sell is actually sold through the bar channel all around the world. Um, so for us, it's really about how do we empower bars with one, we got to have the right hardware, right? We spend a lot of time at HP trying to figure out what's the right mix of all-in-ones and mobile products and all that. Um, so that we can, if a VAR walks into a store and understands an opportunity, the HP is really lined up for us to be able to support that opportunity with our products, but also with the operating systems that run on there, as well as our knowledge. So um, my, my job in particular, and also several of my colleagues, is really about kind of visiting around the world, visiting with customers and with bars and spreading that knowledge and helping teach them, hey, we've really got a good vision of what we think is coming in the future inside of retail related to technology and we're here to teach you about it and share that with you and kind of help you understand why we added offerings like chrome to the mix right why don't we have chrome os why is it part of that how can it benefit you um so i think that's really a powerful message for bars that they like vendors or partners really partners that can come in and teach them and help them navigate those things help them understand where the future is going and help them prepare for that while we learn from them i think we're pretty proud um, that they also learn from us. So, you know, as far as the partnership that, that functions between HP and Google, it's really good. It's actually like excellent. And you often don't see that between two very large companies. A lot of times people there to kind of do their roles, but don't necessarily represent the relationship between the companies as one of the benefits of making those solutions out there. Um, so in addition to knowing Brandy, I've gotten to know a lot of the people over at Google, and I've gotten to make sure that they also know a lot of the folks over at HP. And I've always had the philosophy of life. You need to, when you're doing business, it goes a lot better when you really genuinely like the people you work with and you put effort, not just into the product, but the relationship. Um, we make sure we have social time together. Uh, we have fun. We get along. We get to know each other really well. And it builds this trust. Like we have great products on both sides, but we know that if a customer has a tough question, Google's there to help us on the phone. Um, if a customer has an issue and they call Google, Google knows that we're a phone call away and there's this trusted relationship. And when you're dealing with a VAR, you don't want to leave any of those things up to them to figure out. You want to show them that we figured it out. We're going to make this really easy for you to innovate because we've done it together first and now we're bringing it out to you to help make you more successful. So I think um, that partnership and the theme of how we run it is, is actually very unique, especially for large companies. Um, and I really think that bringing this offering to the table, I'm going to kind of revisit what I said earlier. It's going to help make VARs more successful, right? They have more opportunity to put more terminals out there in the field with something innovative where it's easier for them to deliver a solution. The solution runs better in the field. They can charge just as much as they were before in their service contract. Um, it's just kind of a win-win because everybody's happy, including the end user that has solutions that aren't being blue screens, right? They're just working. So really enthusiastic about it. Yep. That's good stuff right yeah, there. That's what yeah. you like to hear. Yep, definitely yep. that uh, excited relationship. Yeah. I'll just add on also that obviously I mentioned earlier, the webinar you guys did with us a little while back, highly recommend checking that out. If you want even more understanding and detail mm -hmm. about their relationship, mm -hmm. how they came to, you know, to work together, the HP engage solutions, how Chrome OS really fits in and works good stuff. I'll drop that link in the show notes. Do not hesitate to check out that webinar. Yeah. It's if you don't know a lot a about it, depth. it's a great stepping stone, yeah. right? A, a great first uh, first 
you know, step. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right, now let's wrap up with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting With You? This is where we get to talk about something in the world of tech, innovation, science, yes. some kind of discovery, yes. whatever it is, something that's got our attention, caught our eye. Uh, David, I'll let you kick this one off. What's Tech Connecting With You right now? I'm going to do one retail and then one non-retail. So I'll start with the retail one first, because I feel like how do you have a podcast that has the word tech in it without mentioning artificial intelligence, right? Um, and and it is it is one of those technologies that is certainly mind blowing, and it's one of the things I get to um I'm fortunate I get to speak about in front of audiences, and also we recently hosted our own customer advisory council. We had about um you know just over a dozen really high powered, very big brands that you would definitely recognize that I can't always talk about publicly. But, um, you know, we actually we we brought them together and we talked through some really challenging artificial intelligence topics. I wasn't there to talk about just um, using BARD to create content, which by the way has huge benefits for retailers, no question about it. Um, but we said, hey, let's put chatbots aside and talk about how technologies that make up AI, one of them being machine learning, which for the casual observer is kind of the ability for a computer to use data that it's getting from various sources inside of the store and provide operational like recommendations out, right? So, you know, it has this data, it sees what's happening in the kitchen and it says, hey, you're taking a very inefficient path or you're, you're mixing together food, uh, you maybe haven't cooked this food to the right temperature. It can ingest this data and give real-time recommendations and actually learn from a kitchen. The, the potential is huge. And the other side is the whole generative AI. Try saying that one 10 times fast, by the way. That's the ability for, for technology to create content, right? And to use, again, this whole data set, but the ability for it to create content and interact almost in a human way. So we talked through a lot of various different use cases. For example, what one fast food chain is doing to have AI take over for voice at the, like for a human voice, but actually taking orders at the drive-through. It's mind blowing. So it was really cool to really hear about them breaking the mold of what's available today, putting aside the concerns for security and um, what's called hallucinations or AI essentially making up stuff that might not make sense or might not you know, trend well. And say, let's assume we solve those problems. Where do you see this stuff being used? And the stuff that came out of that conversation was um, was cool. And it was really awesome to see that a lot of them aren't using it to replace humans. A lot of them are using it to make everything operate better and more efficiently and more cost effectively so they can have humans dealing with humans. And, you know, really huge right there. So that was number one. Uh, number two, I'm going to borrow, I'll go back to the Halloween theme over here. So I recently got my first electric vehicle. And by the way, I'm not the kind of person that tells you, you know, you have to drive an EV or you have to drive gas. Like that's to me, my business is what I choose and, and so on. But uh, I picked up a Rivian. I don't know if you've heard of that brand. They're built in Illinois. And um, so for me, I've been reading all things EV, trying to understand all the different aspects, the charging, how they run, et cetera, et cetera. But one fun thing, and this is kind of a reminder to anybody making a consumer or a business product, make it a little bit of fun. So my last update, which, by the way, with the kind of the newer model of cars, the updates get installed when they're sitting in your driveway where you don't have to go and bring them to a, a dealership to get serviced. They added Halloween mode. So it actually plays Halloween songs when you approach or leave the car. When you open the door, it has pumpkins pouring out of the door in the visual display. And it's lit up with like all different colors inside, all for Halloween. So a lot of fun. It's kind of a reminder. Like I already love this brand, but now... I get in and I'm like, wow, this is a lot of fun. My kids love getting in the car now, which is always a bonus at this age or teenagers. Um, my wife really wants me to drive, but she, she loves Halloween, so she finds it to be a lot of fun. So as far as technology goes, I think um, watch the car industry for how technology is really 
having a transformative effect upon how people buy and use cars. No well, yep. Humanizing. Is, is, your, is your EV doing Halloween themes for you? Uh, I mean, it has. It can do a light show, but it doesn't okay. have a Halloween theme that yeah. I'm aware of there. Yeah. No, if but, you don't have a Halloween theme, you really don't have an EV. Dude, <laughs> bro. <laughs> real, ow, that hurt. You, you got to go train it <laughs> in, man. EV shaming me right now. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, it's so funny, though, uh, that, uh, yeah, no, it's it's really cool stuff. And, yeah. And, 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 yeah, the updates happen, you know, that just is. over there, wherever you are. That's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of cool. stuff. Yeah, good stuff. That's all the more reason I'm heading that direction myself in the future. Oh, well, yeah. You know, All so. cars, yeah. When, there, when there's pedestrians that usually see as people on your screen, you know, to have some awareness, they actually show as zombies now. That <laughs> is... I don't know if that's a good idea, though, because, I mean, you know... It, you, you watch a zombie apocalypse show. You're not supposed to run them down. Well, you know? no, yeah, yeah, you're turning into a first person. You know, you know, right? One of those yeah, games exactly. where you just go around and destroy everything, yeah. right? Uh, that could backfire. Edited out of the uh, conversation before you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! All right, Brady, what's that connecting with you? Well, I'll stick to the theme of cars. Um, I a while ago took my first um, ride in a self-driving vehicle. So I live in San Francisco, and now the the unmanned cars have taken over the city. So it's not uncommon to see them driving around without a a driver in 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 the seat. And you know, people have all sorts of funny terms for them, keeping in line with the theme of Halloween. People will call them ghost cars. You know, um, but it was really trippy. The first time I got in, there was no one to acknowledge. The steering wheel just started turning on its own. It was a little freaky. Um, But, you know, after I got over that, I had this thought of I'm living in the future. Like, you know, I could see by the time, you know, a few decades later, maybe it's this scenario where it just becomes, you don't give a second thought to climbing into a car without a driver at the helm. And um, I just had that really crazy cool experience of um, taking a ride without a person and really thinking like, this is like the next shift, evolution, revolution, if you want to call it that, of transportation. Yeah, That's isn't that awesome. awesome? So it's like getting in an elevator back in the turn of the last century. <laughs> People didn't get in it. It's like, what, am, what do you mean I'm going to get in what a box? What do you mean box? this box is going to take me up take to the top me, what, floor? No, yeah. I'm not getting in an elevator. Are you kidding me? Well, so thank you being the for being the, uh, you know, whatever. The, uh, a guinea the, pig? Yeah. Yes, the guinea pig. <laughs> and getting in the in the car. Now, I have we have we have joked about it that there's some issues with them kind of clogging up the streets out there in San Francisco, right? So, yeah, okay. We've seen that. You've yeah, seen it. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Hey, those are bugs. They'll get worked out. Yeah, you yeah. Know, eventually. But we, but we need folks like Brandy out there trying them out so we can get right? to the you know, yes, to yes. the smooth version that all of us get to partake in. Yes, so. yes, yes. If it, if it hits a zombie, it was it was only a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as long as you look up from the screen, it's just a zombie. Yeah. Oh, uh, good exactly. stuff. There good you stuff. Go. Good stuff. Good all stuff. All right, Dean. What's tech connecting with you? All right. So in the season of Halloween, you know, I thought I would go with the fear factor type of thing. Okay, so there's okay. a there's an entity out there, Chapman University survey of American fears. Do you want to take a guess at number one? Like, what 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 do you fear? Is it, is it ghosts and I'm goblins a spiders or guy. rejection? Spiders freak me out. Getting sick, uh, David, Brandy. You got anything? What like what are you fearful of? You got like I what's your top spiders. number one? Spiders. Yeah. Okay, neither one of you are on the list, David. <laughs> really? <laughs> what do you got? Yep. I mean, I probably fear. have like a, a hell. I like hiking, and sometimes you get pretty high up in mountains, and I still have this 
I would call it a healthy fear of heights. There you go. Okay. All right. Yeah. You're, you're not even on the list. Yeah. So, okay. So the Chapman University survey of American fear is to collect annual data on the fears, worries, and concerns of Americans uh, and how those fears are associated with their other attitudes and behaviors. So, okay. This sounds like a little bigger than just like it is a little bit bigger. That's okay, why you'll never you. guess number one. Number one fear, and it has been this way for the last seven years, is corrupt government officials. That really? is the number one fear of Americans right now. Corrupt government officials. I mean, that's no no fun, but I don't know that it's something that keeps me awake at night. Top of terror, the list. Top of the list. And then I'll just rattle off some of the other ones that are up there. Number two, economic financial collapse. Okay. You know that. Okay. You know, we go. Yeah. Number three, rising U- Russia. Sorry, <laughs> Russia using nuclear weapons. Okay. That's back okay. in the top ten. I thought we had gotten rid of that one for a little while. Well, you but know, no, it's that the one's 80s back all over again, isn't it? Then you <laughs> throw in the the normal. You know, becoming seriously ill. People I love dying okay okay polluted drinking water cyber terrorism those types of things i mean there there's your like your top 10 now i'll go to the bottom 10 like what what barely gets on the needle anymore strangers people aren't fearful of strangers that much anymore and two needles are you fearful of needles no all right well that's in the bottom there uh catching the flu no longer okay. a big fear. Okay, I can understand that. Ghosts, <laughs> ghosts is, is is four from the bottom. Okay, uh, blood, and then the last thing that people really don't fear: animals, Man. dogs, dogs, you know, rats, and whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. So, and we're taking a much bigger worldview about our fears <laughs> than we used to. Remember, we? grief, corrupt government <laughs> officials. That's number one. I, but I, I'm, I'm going to call BS on this because I don't know that I sit around worrying. I don't know either. Daily I, about I, corrupt government officials. I would officials. like to. I know, just assume they're all corrupt. Yeah, I would like so to what, have what some demographic about? context to the people they surveyed for this because I feel like there's a <laughs> well, there's a thousand people, certain demographic maybe. Oh, uh, you might think be so? Play here. I don't know. Well, adults 18 years and older. You know, thousand people, whatever. So there okay, you go. There's your right. fear survey for today. Maybe it's that, like we always say, like it's the thousand people that were willing to pick up a phone and answer <laughs> survey. They're special people anyway, right? Let's be honest. There it is. They're and they're all the spiders out of their house. <laughs> <laughs> There's only corrupt government officials left. Well, clearly, <laughs> clearly they're living in, a, it, David. in a, like a hermetically sealed steel bunker underground, I yes. guess, you know, to yes. avoid the, the nuclear strikes and the corrupt government <laughs> officials. So I guess they don't have to worry about spiders at that point. Not so. at all. So what's a, what's a technique? All do? right. Uh, I didn't do the Halloween theme. I apologize for that. Oh, but uh, man, maybe, drop the ball, maybe in did a way you? that we're talking about some archaic technology. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so well, September, well, September. Blue screens fall on that list. Just to be clear. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's fair, be, David. That's Blue screen yeah. of death. Yes. I, I hope that's not high on the list anymore. No, didn't make it. If so, they should be switching to Chrome OS. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so September 29th saw the end of an era. Oh. Netflix sent out their last DVD. DVD. I saw that in mail. the news. Yes. Yes. So, mind you, okay, Netflix started back in 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've mailed, as of 2019, when they last retracted this, they had mailed over 5 billion discs. Wow. And apparently, Redbox wanted to buy out their DVD business, but Netflix was a no go on oh, that. Oh, really? They decided to like recently? It yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so they mailed out their last one, September 29th. Folks that got them had until October 27th to mail it back. However, apparently, <laughs> some subscribers that were like special subscribers, which if you're still doing DVD by mail, you should be considered as that at this point. Yeah. We're allowed to keep the last disc that they I was about to say, don't they just say, just keep it? Yeah. Why would, why would it, why do you care if they what send do we need it back, back at that point? Yeah. So, 
Uh, but I, you know, I, I admit this is not, I'm going to say brought Passing a tear to my guard, eye yes. because I haven't, you know, I have not done the DVD by mail service in probably a decade or more, yes. but I was a very early adopter on this. Mm-hmm. I remember I started doing it in 99, 2000, I think mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. I had a boss where I worked at the uh, bookstore that I worked in at the time. He was a big cinephile, even more so than I am. Oh. And was like, Hey, you should get a DVD player. I'm like, okay, I got what? that. Yeah, right. Like, I'm going to start loaning you DVDs and you need to sign up for this service called Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never heard of it, but sure, I'll give it a The I'll blockbuster a killer. And I think what was always cool about Netflix, though, was that they had a such a deep pool of DVDs to choose oh, yeah. from. Titles. I mean, stuff Absolutely. that you would never find in a blockbuster no, right. or any other that's local right. video yeah. shop, like yeah. do really deep stuff. And, and in yeah. the days also before streaming era now, where we are, where you can binge watch your favorite television show ad nauseum, back then... You know, when you weren't binging it, you weren't going to do that if you weren't watching live on television. Netflix would send you like a disc from a TV series. So mm. you could get like a single disc from a series, you know, like watch like four episodes, send it back, get the next disc, stuff like I that. I gotcha. I gotcha. I love that stuff. I was I was a big fan of it for a very long time. Yeah. You know, it, it went the oh, way of the dodo, watched, but. We binge watched 24. There you go. Nice. Yeah, yeah. 24. Yeah. Yep. I remember doing yeah. it with um, uh, on DVD, Star David? Trek, I think. Yeah, on DVD. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. So hey, there you go. That's that's what's tech connected. Fair enough. Our yes. sort of spooky Halloween edition. That's right. for, for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, big thank you to David Gossman, Brady. I appreciate having you guys Thanks on so the much. show today. Uh, it is time for us to unplug. But until next time, you know, dust off your old DVD player. <laughs> really. Find that two disc edition of Titanic that you really? haven't watched in twenty years. Okay. And, See if it'll work on your TV. Yeah, yeah, see if it actually works on your modern television (laughs) at this point. And as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. You're Dean, some companies, they use consumer smartphones for their enterprise because they base it on a a perceived value. Mm. But for a true competitive edge and the necessary features, they need a smarter choice that still meets their budgets. Yes, sir. All right, meet the Equalizer. It's uh, not the Denzel Washington films. Or the uh, no, that's is it? That's the Equalizer. Equalizer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or yeah. the old TV series. Yeah, oh. or the newer TV series with Queen Latifah. Good lord, we're not talking about any of those. None equalizers. of that. No, yeah, we're talking about Zebra's TC22 and 27 mobile computers, providing all of the latest features customers need to level the playing field and make it easier to compete with any size business. Boom. From retail, hospitality, and the warehouse to field service and entertainment, this durable device has it all. The next gen processor, 5G, Wi-Fi 6C, CBRS, and private. 5G networks, Oosh. a large six-inch display you can see indoors and outside. Got to be able to see it. Fast, first-time, every-time capture of barcodes in any condition with an integrated scanner. Nice. I'm not done yet. Still. Yeah. Support for tap-to-pay and non-payment tra- contactless transactions. Oh, that's important. Yes. Battery power for the longest shifts. Yep. Accessories that make every job easier. Plus, proven solutions that add new capabilities, allowing users to do more. Dude, bro, all that in this thing? All that. That's incredible. And just you know, handy little devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give your customers the boost they need to compete with any size business with the TC22 and 27, the smartphone-style workers want, and the features their business needs, all at an affordable price. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more and find helpful sales resources. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by ELO. Self-service has never been easier. Introducing ELO's Wallaby Pro kiosk stand. Mm. The Wallaby Pro isn't changing the industry by making it easier than ever to configure interactive self-service solutions. Choose from wall, counter, and floor models engineered with configurations to fit any space in retail, restaurants, hospitality, healthcare, and corporate environments. Just add a 22, 24, or 27-inch touchscreen display. Mm-hmm. All right, we just talked about options with Zebra. Let's talk about options here with the Zelo. Nice. Nice too. 
How about a custom branded backer board? Nice. Uh, ceiling pole to minimize footprint. Ooh, even better. Pretty handy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And a printer. Yes, of course. ADA keyboard. Yes. An assist button. Yes. You can use Elo's Edge Connect to attach accessories. Ooh, there you Great go. Oh, nice and easy well. integration. Yes. There you go. Oh, and the Wallaby Pro stand offers easy to access concealed housing for a power strip, power bricks, compute devices, cables, whatever. You've got to make it look good. That's right. And it does. Look nice and clean and yes. cool in your, in your cool retail Got environment. that right. Uh, ready to help your customers design the most customizable self-service solutions? Start with the Wallaby Pro. Contact your ELO representative to learn more.